Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Uncommon People podcast. This is the show about ordinary people and their extraordinary stories. Uh, We've all lived our own lives, and I think there's a lot to learn from each of them. So I want to listen to these stories and and give other people the chance to listen to them as well and learn from them. If you think you would want to have this kind of a conversation as well, please do reach out. You can get my contact info at my website, joeltimothy.co. And I would encourage you to do that if you would be up for it. Uh, This is episode nine of the podcast, and I'm sitting here with um, Mitchell Millsap for a conversation. Hope you enjoy it. There is a little bit of a technical difficulty that we experienced while recording, so part of this episode seems to have disappeared, but we worked with what we could and made the most of it. So I hope you still enjoy and that you are able to get through the whole episode. In the meanwhile, here is my conversation with Mitchell Millsap. I find myself this way I can you know there's always something that seems like it can kind of uh you know like it'll it can improve maybe something that you're interested in and mm-hmm. you're you would like to add that to your arsenal oh all the time all the time yeah yeah I would say I'm definitely that way and whatever facet of you know something that I'm into it's yeah. just like you know whether it's working out whether it's maybe hunting or something it's uh-huh. like oh that seems like that would be awesome yeah you know and I have to be you know thankfully uh, not being blessed with a ton of money, it helps with, you know, staying, staying where I really should be. Yeah. Yeah. That being able to appreciate the things you already have. Yeah. Yeah. In the photography world, it's called gas. Gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I got real bad gas right now. <laughs> That's good. I yeah. like that. I'm gonna have to remember that one. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I have my camera and a few different lenses, like all these, all this stuff I have is absolutely professional level. Yeah. Like, and I can make great um, content with it. But I see other stuff. Yeah. It's like that could help me make even better content potentially. Yeah. Like the potential for quality goes up yes. with your tools getting better. Yeah. But if you already have tools and you're not making use of them, what you need to do is make is, use. Yeah. Actually use what you have and get better at it. Yeah. Because until like I can say I've mastered the equipment I have now, I probably don't have a good excuse for upgrading, for yeah. getting more expensive because stuff. Because you can upgrade yourself, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I am I see other photographers who have equipment that's technically not nearly as good as what I have, but are making better work just yeah. because they get out there and they shoot a lot or... They just make an effort to study and learn how to be good at their craft. And I've never been very diligent about that, honestly. I've been pretty lazy, which is why I can say, yeah, I've been taking photos in some capacity for like 10 plus years, but I'm not doing it professionally. As Even though I want to, I'm just not because I haven't put in the work to make it yeah. happen, which is, there's there's no excuse for it. I can't yeah. say... Well, it happened better for them. They were in a better position yeah. or they got lucky or something. I know that's not true. I've met people and kind of gotten to glimpse a little bit of how much work they put into making the career that they have. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Whatever and you do. What do you think makes, because um, I, I know we, I, I would definitely say like in myself, I have things like, oh, I want to, 
I want to be better at this or I want to do a better job at this. And, you know, it, it's like, is there a method that you use on yourself where you can go, okay, I'm going to make my want for this greater than maybe your want for some sort of entertainment or, you know, sitting on the couch where you go, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, do this or that or the other. Is there anything that you ever, I mean, is there something that you go, okay, I'm just going to, you know, cause a lot of times people will use the word like motivation uh-huh. or something. And it's like, you know, we all have motivation because, we, you know, motivation is just derived from the word, you know, it's basically motive. You have a motive, which is your motivation. So right. Okay. It's not like this amazing feeling that I, you know, woke up on January 1st with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So how, how do I, you know, because that's definitely a battle that I have in myself. Like know? how to practically pursue the things you want to be better yeah. at. Yeah. Or just when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Exactly. Or it's just like, you know, like you're saying you want to be better, you know, do you can improve your photography skills. Like, you know, if I wanted to be, uh, it's like, oh, well, I wish I read more books. So I was, you know, more well-versed in this area or, you know, I was knowledgeable about that, you know, but I'm like, okay, well, instead I'm on Instagram Mm -hmm. or something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, there's that switch that, you know. To, to try to get that to flip where, you know, hey, I'm going to decide to do this. Yeah. I mean, sense. at the end of the day, if there's a, a method other than just doing it a lot, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, I mean, you can go deeper into the details of what that looks like, but it simplifies to do that thing a lot. Like they say, what, it takes 10,000 hours to master something. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that's just kind of the greatest, the people who are the greatest at something have done the most work for it. Now, you could say, how do I actually build those habits and get better at something? And I could just say, well, if we're talking about photography, just go take more photos. But that doesn't necessarily answer the questions of, well, I have a full-time job, I have a family, I have all these other priorities, I got to do these things, I don't have a lot of time, I don't even have a camera, what do I do? So then I'm willing to dive in deeper with people and ask more specific questions. Like if you want to take more photos and that's your situation, um, what time do you have? Do you have, do you need to schedule things in? If so, find time, schedule in, say an hour once a week to just take photos. I don't have a camera. Do you have a phone? Like, take photos on your phone. Yeah. It's freezing outside. I don't <laughs> want to go anywhere. I, I'm certainly not going out there shooting. Shoot indoors. Like, do something. Um, I don't have equipment to shoot indoors. Well, open a window, put up a bed sheet, and take photos of yourself or your kids or your wife or whatever it is. Those are all specific questions that tend to have a little bit more specific answers, but they're all, I think, getting at the same point, which is just do the thing, just do prioritize the thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was <laughs> I was just saying to John earlier today, or maybe I said it yesterday, like I wish I could just tell my phone to keep me from using my phone <laughs> so that my <laughs> phone would keep me off of it. Yeah. Um, because there are apps to help with that, like that 
track how long you're using it and lock things out if you're on too long. Yeah. But the one on my phone doesn't work. Oh, that stinks. <laughs> so my timers don't work anymore. I can't really turn it on or off or do anything with it. So I haven't been using it. Yeah. And that means I can just use my phone as much as I want yeah. without it reminding me to stop. But then that just means, okay, I've got to choose to stop. I yeah. have to use my own free will to choose. and say, I could open Instagram right now. And I know that I just impulsively took out my phone to do that. But I'm going to just put it down. And usually, I think, it's best to have something else that you then do and not just, I'm just not going to do this. Instead, I'm just going to sit still and not do anything. I think that's good if what you're trying to do is spend more time doing nothing because I think a lot of us need that. But if what you're trying to do is build good habits, replace it with something else. Yeah. So when I want to pick up my phone, maybe I should train myself to reach for a book mm. and read. Yeah. I like that. Habit building. Yeah. It's so difficult. It really is, especially with all the distractions I feel like that, you know, are mm -hmm. out there. Is there a particular habit you've been wanting to build more into your life recently? Um, well, uh, I would say like as a kid, I loved to read. Mm -hmm. It was like my mom, you know, I love, you know, as a kid, I always was playing outside doing stuff, but it was like, once I learned, you know, reading and just really enjoying, you know, just pouring over, you know, the words or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it was like, my mom would have to be like, okay, you need to go outside now, you know, we're not going to read. And yeah. it's like, I feel like with, um, just, with really just being on my phone more than I should be. And just, you know, there's that constant new thing. It's like going from books that maybe, you know, it's like, I really want to read this book. Like I'm, you know, this is a, a good business book or something. And it's not definitely not exciting, you know, but it's like it, it, just working on building that habit back, getting that love for reading back, you know, and, you know, my wife's been, she's been reading more and she's like, you know, got to go, I'm going to read, a book every month, you know, and that's oh, just yeah. her goal. So that's, you know, that's motivating as well. Just, mm -hmm. you know, seeing her do it. Yeah. So, but that's definitely something that it's like, you know, and there's other things I think are cool that people do that, you know, uh, I would love to mess with, but just keeping it simple really right now and just mm -hmm. going, okay, that's, I need to, I need, you know, to read more books, Yeah. you know, and not just get, you know, I, for whatever reason, I can research something and read about articles and, you know, basically a book uh -huh. about something, you know, but, you know, it's, I don't know. It's definitely one of those things where, you know, not where I want to be on it, but yeah. at least I'm aware of it. Yeah. You uh -huh. know? I am definitely far behind where I was, at, where I have been at different points. I kind of come and go with that. Uh, I I love reading. If I'm reading a book that I enjoy, it's so entertaining. It's such an enjoyable thing for me to sit down. If I can get over that first total of actually picking up the book and starting to read, especially if I can read a chapter and still keep reading and still want to keep reading, it's just one of my favorite things. It's yeah. so relaxing. It's so peaceful. It helps my overactive imagination to have somewhere to go. Um because I just tend to get lost in that world. Like, if I get past that first 10, 15 minutes, one chapter, whatever it is, 
it's like I just lose track of everything else yeah. going on around me. And that's really peaceful for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And as a kid, I did a lot more because, I mean, you don't have a job and all these different things <laughs> yeah. you have to take care of, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, a, it's a great picture into other worlds. Yeah. You know, it's a great, it's like, you know, time traveling in a way as uh-huh. far as like you can go and be immersed into whatever realm yeah you know that this book is entailing and somebody else's mind too oh yeah 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 it's really cool Uh uh-huh you know and it's like that's one thing that always interests me it's like what you know it's like what makes that person you know tick or how what you know i look at things and think of it a certain way i know i was talking to my sister and she was saying you know well she was talking about one of my siblings had you know, something had happened and she was thinking about it a certain way. And she's like, why is she thinking about it that way? And like, well, none of us think that way. And I was like, well, she thinks about stuff differently than us. And I think sometimes it's like, it's easy to fall in this, like, you know, this is how I view things. And you just think that that's just how all brains mm-hmm. are going to work. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And, and that's definitely not the case. And it's not. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, I'm interested to hear other people's, uh, you know, what was your reaction to that? Because then it kind of go, okay, you know, like I would have not thought about it that way, but yeah, you know, I'm learning. I think it's really helpful to, for someone like me, who's very, uh, self-aware and spends too much time in his own head. It's really helpful to be reminded that other people don't think the same way that I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. To just kind of be reminded that the world is much bigger than my perception of it. And this podcast has been a reminder for that of me when I get to sit down and talk to people and realize, wow, we're really different. Like I talked to David, who is so even keeled and just not very emotional, he said. That's so strange for me. I don't know what that's like for that to be your reality. My reality is feeling a lot of things all the time and just having a lot of big emotions whether it's negative or positive it tends to be very far in the extreme um and most of the time it's it's pretty positive i'm i'm fortunate to be a, i think at this point a reasonably healthy person and in a place where my emotions are usually on the positive side so that the extremes are good they're not bad um but that's that's my normal it's not for everybody else. Yeah. I have other friends who just don't feel a lot of emotions all the time. Um, my friend Dallas has always been just very, from what I've, I've only known him since I moved here in Arkansas, but he is very logical, very even keeled, um, doesn't tend to react very much to things can spend a great deal of time by himself just sitting still and not be overwhelmed by emotions or feelings and things like that. Yeah. And that's just very interesting to me because it's different. Yeah. Yeah, that is, I do feel like, you know, like my one sister that I was talking about, you know, asking about my other sister, it was like, you know, my older sister's, you know, she's pretty even killed. And my sister immediately under me is, you know, she's 
this is outgoing, you know, feels big thing. You know, it's just like, you know, everything is like, oh, you're so amazing. Or, you know, or it's like, it's just, it's definitely mostly one or the other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, and it's incredibly, you know, it's just like, it's, it's interesting to see how, like we all play a role, you know, in, in, uh, you know, just different aspects of how, you know, it helps you be aware of how other people are feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, uh, if it's just me, if I thought everybody thought like me, you know, I wouldn't be thinking about, Oh, well, how's this going to make my sister Hannah feel? Right. Yeah. Good point. But, uh, you know, it's like, and it's like, even just with like my wife, I can remember early on, like, you know, she cared a lot about, you know, she cares a lot about small animals, you know, like I care a lot about animals, but not on the level that she does. And so, something would happen and it would just, it would make her feel emotional, you know, if something bad were to happen to an animal and, you know, really emotional. And it was like, just being reminded like, Hey, this is a, this is, you know, a very valid feeling. And, you know, and if I do anything but treat it as that, you know, I'm doing her disservice and myself a disservice in our relationship a disservice because, um, this is something that matters to her. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is like a big thing is just realizing what matters to people too. Yeah. Do you think you had a really good opportunity growing up with lots of siblings to learn that kind of empathy? Or is it something you've become mostly aware of as you've reached adulthood? I think I've always been a, a fairly observant person, you know, just as far as kind of like, okay, what's that person thinking, you know? Um, and I would say, I would see there's definitely like a broad range, but there's definitely also like a, like a sibling pack almost mentality where it's like, you know, we're all doing this thing together. So I think in a way it's like this, you can also with, with a bunch of us, it's like, you can kind of get like, this is just the way everything is. And then, you know, as we got older and experience, you know, more people, it was like, uh, it brought more perspective for sure. I mean, I think it definitely helped versus being like, a sing, you know, just one sibling, you know, having to think older, younger, you, you learn more like the age range, like, okay, this mm-hmm. is the way a two-year-old's going to react or something. Yeah. But uh-huh. I don't think it necessarily gave me like a, a huge understanding for, um, you know, all the different levels that there is to it. Yeah. So you mentioned that, um, the the christmas tree water freezing thing yes was that um did you grow up in kind of a little bit less financially stable home you just didn't like if the house was was it common for the house to be cold enough that a bowl of water would freeze well that was the only time i'm aware of any water freezing in the house so you know it was like just one of those crazy things but Um, it was like when I was a, uh, really young, m- my dad worked as, uh, he w- did accounting for a, a pretty good company and we were pretty well off. And then he did some other things. And then we went through a time, you know, for a really long, for basically my whole life after that, where it was, we were definitely financially tight. Like in that house, if it would, uh, rain, there was a couple times where it was like, you know, you had a pot literally sitting mm-hmm. on the floor catching some water. So, and I mean, I definitely cherish that aspect of my life because it's taught me a lot as far as um, just not having a lot. And anytime you add something to not very much, you know, it's a big per- percentage wise, it's pretty big uh-huh, right. comparatively. And so 
that I really appreciate, but it also makes it where, um, I don't, you know, do a lot of things. I don't want to spend a lot of money, you know? So it's like, my wife's like, Oh, we should go do this or whatever. And I'm constantly thinking like, Oh, I don't want to not have enough money to be able to pay for something. If something, you know, were to uh -huh. come up and, you know, some emergency or whatever. Yeah. So it definitely has its pros and its cons, uh -huh. but it definitely, um, you know, it definitely brought a lot of, it, it was good in the sense of like, I saw a lot of provision from, you know, where it was like, you know, Hey, we're at home, we have no money and, you know, we have enough gas to get in the, get to town, you know? So, you know, it's like, and then, you know, somebody who was unaware of our situation had gifted us some money or something. And, you know, it was just like, you know, we were, it was just a huge blessing. So, so things tended to work out somehow. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, I mean, you know, there was, you know, we got, there was times where the rent payment wasn't able to be made. So we had to move, but we always had food and, you know, some sort of heat and, you know, shelter over heads. So mm -hmm. it wasn't extreme by any means, yeah. but it definitely wasn't, you know, there definitely wasn't extra. That's for sure. Yeah. Do you remember as a kid having a lot of specific thoughts about that i think when you're living in a situation especially as a kid it it is your norm and so you don't yeah. think of it much there's not anything to compare it to because all you've known i think really the, i was never you know growing up i think like when you're really young you think your parents have a lot of money no matter you know uh -huh. i wasn't like looking at things and comparing them you're not worried about how much there uh -huh. is there's always enough yeah. and i remember um my older sister Haley came and asked me she said um, what do you think is poor? And I was, I think I was nine or 10 at this point. And I said, you know, obviously with no idea of what I said, uh, probably $10,000. She said, well, we have $128, you know, that's what our, my parents had at the time. We had like the electric bill due or something, you know? And I just was like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, I thought, uh Oh man, I wish I had $10,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, like now knowing, you know, $10,000 means, you know, at, at nine, 10 years old, $10,000, you know, I had no concept mm -hmm. of money. Yeah. But, you know, I probably had $20 to my name or something at that point in my life, you know, and, but I just remember that was like, oh no, you know? Yeah. So, but I would say, you know, it definitely, you know, it was kind of just a constant up and down, you know, as far as you know, Hey, we can pay the bills or, you know, whatever, but we mm -hmm. always were taken care of. Did you see that as a result of anything specific or did it just appear, um, like, Oh, we have $128 and the electric bills do. And then it, it gets paid somehow and it's just normal to you. How, how did you feel about that kind of thing? I happening? mean, I think, you know, like, I think of like childlike faith. You just, I just always had this confidence like, Oh, you know, God's going to take care of us. And I think not only did I see him take care of us in the sense of like, for instance, we were, it was that same way that when I first, you know, it was around that same time I found we had $128, you know, my mom went to the grocery store and we lived in a small town at the time, like 2000 people, 2,500 people maybe. Uh -huh. And, uh, she had entered into some, like give away for $50 worth of groceries. You know, my sister Haley had talked her into it and she's like, Oh, whatever, you know, we never win these things, but I'll do it. And she went there to buy, you know, just something that we had to have, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to make dinner or something and ended up winning that thing, you know, a couple of weeks later, like $50 worth of groceries. And, 
as a kid, I was just like, you know, that was God looking out for us. You know, there was like no doubt in my mind that, hey, uh, he's looking out for us, you know, that we're going to have food. And so I think that there was just a lot of, you know, that, that made me, you know, like, even though it was stressful in the sense of like, oh no, it was like, well, it doesn't really matter because God's going to take care of us, you Mm -hmm. know? And that was definitely a blessing of being a child and not having to worry about trying to provide money to anybody. But it definitely was like a time in my life where even as I'm older sometimes and I've doubted things as far as like, oh no, I've got to worry about this. I'm like, I wish I could get back to that as a kid, just like, don't worry, God, you know, God's going to take care of you. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, you're going to have a nice car and I'm not talking about that stuff, but just, you know, as far as just being taken care of, you know, whatever, you know, the real needs, the real needs are. Yeah. So there was definitely a lot of confidence that God was going to take care of us at that point in my life. What do you think changes as you get older and it becomes harder to, I think to feel that way. Part of it is, um, you have more to think about and you have more to be like, especially, um, as a husband and a father, there's more that I'm worried about. Like, you know, I'm worried about my kids, you know, or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, and so there's more to worry about, I think is part of it. And then also just, you know, there's more things that you see that you go, you know, like it's obviously it's life is not all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, everybody got, somebody can go, why didn't God take care of me in this situation? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I think of people will throw out the saying, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. And I think that that's not true. I think that he does give us more than we can handle because I think if I never had more than I could handle, I would not need, you know, a God to help me. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. I think, so I think, you know, there's definitely instances like that, you know, but I think just worrying more about other people besides myself is really what has, you know, made it like that for me. Yeah. So were you then, it sounds like you were um, raised in a, a religious household or how would you describe that situation for you growing up? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, well my parents, my mom was, was like grew up in like a Methodist, you know, semi-conservative home, I would say as far as like being a Christian home goes. And my Mm -hmm. dad was like the polar opposite of that. I mean, you know, and, uh, he, you know, my parents met and, you know, my dad was in a fraternity and he's the president's fraternity or whatever. So definitely, you know, not a very conservative person at that point in his life. And, you know, when he met my mom, it was like, you know, he's like, you know, you're one of those Christian girls or something. And my mom was like, I don't know why he thought that because I wasn't acting like that necessarily. And so, and she told him, Hey, if we're going to date, you need to become a Christian. And so my dad started reading the Bible and then he kind of just went, from a non-believer to like, you know, we're going to homeschool our kids. We're going to do all the stuff. My mom's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, <laughs> that's way too far. I'm not talking about all that stuff. And so, um, it was definitely a very conservative home. I would say that we grew up in and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, and probably also like feeling my belief, like God was providing for us was like, cause that's when my parents were like, Hey, look, you know, look how God provided for us. You know, we were able to, you know, provided this food or, you know, money for gas or, Hey, we were able to pay the electric bill or, 
whatever that facet was, you know, it definitely played a huge role, you know, in my life today, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and it's and, and another thing, too, I think that can make you like question some of it. It's like as you get older, you can go from, you know, your parents raise you a certain way and, you know, you're like, this is the way it is. And then yep. there's kind of like a time in your life where you got to go, okay, what is, what do I believe versus what have, you know, I've just been raised as. And mm-hmm. I think it's important for everybody to realize like there is that time of life that we all go through where, you know, you got to figure out at least to some degree, some, some foundation of what you do think and believe. Yeah. What time was that for you? I would say it really started after I was 18 for sure. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But it was like, I think really the most, it wasn't until I was 20, I think that I really understood how, like it was the first time I started figuring out what I didn't know, you know, and that was like the first moment really where I started to learn, you know, and, and mature. But I definitely went through a time where I was like, well, you know, I was taught this was wrong, but I don't really see why it's wrong. And so I'm over here kind of doing it. And then this crowd that I'm hanging out with now, I, oh yeah, I can see why that's not good. You know, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, I went through a period where it was like, you know, I thought I should have more freedoms than I should. And so I was kind of upset at my parents. And so real, and that's one thing I've learned was like out of spite, I did things, you know, like I didn't think they were necessarily right, but I was upset at my parents and, um, I did things just out of, because I was, you know, angry Yeah. and, you know, it wasn't, you know, I had some pretty sobering moments for sure where I can remember, you know, people, you know, in this space that some, I was kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd for a little while and they were like, there were some moments where they were like, man, you don't want to be doing, you know, you don't want to be, you know, you're doing things the right way. You know, you don't want to be, you know acting this way. And it was just like, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience. And it made me also go, you know, I know why I believe what I believe and I know why I do some of the things I do. And it's not just, you know, it's like, I've seen firsthand why I wouldn't do it differently than that. And the people, so in the crowd that you think maybe you shouldn't have been hanging out with, the people in that crowd would see you and say, you don't want to be doing what we're doing. Yes. They would, and it was like a really just, you know, it was like, you know, they were, you know, not sober, and I wasn't sober, and and in one particular moment, I remember, it was actually when I was talking to, at the time, it was just a girl, now my wife, and they were like, um, put, you know, wanting me to push the physical relationship with this person, and I was, growing up in a very conservative home, I was you know, never had any opportunity for something like that. And so, and I just remember him, this friend of mine, you know, we're not sober, but it was a very sobering moment in my life where he was just like, man, you know, you're doing things the right way. You know, this is, you don't want to go down this path. And I just remember like, it just was like, just being sucked backwards. Like what just happened? You know, like Mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, you're kind of hearing all of a sudden just pulls you way back. And I was just like, you know, wow. And that's something I've always, I've always just kind of taken with me. Like it was kind of from that moment on that I knew I need to start changing some things. And, 
if this is the type of person that I want to be with, then I need to be that type of person on the other side of that in order for us to be, for this something like this to work, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Was there something in particular that happened to get you to start hanging with this crowd? I just think um, there was a couple different things, like, um, you know, with not being... um, really a part of that much growing up it's like there's mm-hmm. a there's like a cool factor like yeah. it's branded as cool mm-hmm. you know partying whatever it is you know and 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 people can go and have fun and you know i mean there's not i think it's good for people to um you know not i think it's good for people to experience some things so i don't want to i don't want to come across as like you this is what you have to do yeah you know what uh-huh. i'm saying but uh i think it was like one of those things where it was like, you know, I kind of got into that, you know, based off of just being upset at my parents for, you know, feeling like I wanted more freedoms because for the age that I was at and then just wanting to do these things that were fun that you were seeing a lot of other people doing that, you know, seem fun, whether it was, you know, let's just, you know, you're trying to meet girls. I mean, it's like there's a there's a bunch of different angles, I would say, that would play mm-hmm. into that, you know, and you feel like. I think like there's a part of you that, you know, wants to do these things. And so you're finding reasons to support that decision to go do it. And so a lot of decisions that were made that way at that age, for sure. Yeah. That age being like 18, 18, between 18, 18 and 20. 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, and I think, and, and thankfully I saw pretty quickly, like, um, okay. You know, I always say, tell people I'm a, you know, some people, you know, can listen and learn. Some people have to see and learn. And I've, I'm more of a see and learn. Really? <laughs> and definitely in that situation. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, see and learn talking, or like do and learn. Well, I guess, yeah, do and learn. Okay. See Cause that's me too. First, firsthand, like, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, get um, up close and personal with up, stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, okay. Yep. Yeah, no, I see. I see that, you know, why I don't want to be there. And this is, you know, this is, and even though I, and I was, when I was in that space, I still had like, you know, I still want to marry, um, a godly woman. I still want to, um, have kids. I want to raise my kids to be, you know, to, I want to be able to influence my kids in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was like, I realized the path I was heading down didn't line up with that, you know, and that if I, if you go, if I went too far down that path, then I was hurting some of my future potential. You know, it's kind of stealing yeah. from my future a little bit. That's a lot, I think, of uh, foresight to have at that age. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why necessarily I had that at that age, but I don't. I've always been somebody, I think, who kind of wants to understand why people do certain things. So I looked at people who were. Why did so many people? that were around my age live this lifestyle. And then when they got older, walked away from it and did this, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, why did, and why are they all saying, Hey, don't do some of these things. And so I think just being, you know, I got lucky, I guess, blessed. I don't know to be able to be made aware of that a little bit and not uh-huh. to go. I don't know if I want, you know, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. And I, I would say I'm like real percentage based too. Like as far as I look at, okay, if I do this, my percentage of being able to make this work is much greater mm-hmm. than if I'm over here. And so, 
you're considering the odds. I'm like, considering the if, odds. If you can already think vaguely even about the kind of life you want to have in 10 years, um, it, it becomes easier to think, well, I'm doing this right here. Continuing to do this, there's no way it helps my odds of achieving this thing I want. Yes. And I would also say one thing that helped is having a couple of close friends that were a little bit further along in life than me mm-hmm. that were further down that path that I was heading down and going, you know, like they're the people that they are feeling like they have a chance at being with or is just going down because of, you know, the way that they're living their life day to day. And I've always, and I've always felt like I'd always felt from a young age in order to be with somebody who has, you know, this type of character, I'm going to have to be, and in order to attract somebody like that, I'm going to have to be what that would attract, mm-hmm. you know? So I think once I realized I wasn't going to be that anymore, it kind of helped snap me out of that phase. Yeah. So was that, has that been a big motivator for you for a long time in terms of like finding a spouse? Was that um, just at the front of your mind from a younger age? Like for me, since I was 17, I knew I really wanted to be married and I don't know if that's common or uncommon in men um, or if it's maybe uncommon because it's discouraged or it just doesn't develop at a, I, until a certain time. What was that for you? I think for me, it because based on the way I was raised, where it was like, you know, uh, every relationship you need to be thinking about, okay, is this somebody that I would even marry one day? <laughs> and uh, so I think like being raised that way, it definitely made me think like, okay, you know, uh, I gotta be serious. Yeah. <laughs> and not that you should be necessarily that serious with all relationships in the sense of like, uh, you know, it's good to get to know somebody. There's, you know, there is a lot of different ways to do relationships, I believe. And each mm-hmm. individual is going to make each relationship a little bit differently. And so I think like for me, there was that like, okay, um, you know, I think part of that and then just wanting a companion, you know, and, you know, wanting to have kids and wanting to, you know, you know, wanting to just, I, I really don't know exactly what, you know, why that is there a hundred percent. I don't think I can say why that is a hundred percent there, but I definitely think those played some roles in, in why that's there. And, mm-hmm. and I think too, it's like, you know, there are marriages that you see that are like, they're, they're great. You know, you see, you know, obviously there's a lot of, I mean, I've seen, I would definitely say more bad marriages that I wouldn't want to be a part of than good. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I think that hope that you, when you see somebody that does have a good relationship, that hope of you could have something like that drives that as well. Yeah. Was that something you got to see your parents model well too? I think my parents did a really good job as far as like, you know, I feel like I'm, I was one of the few people I can say, like, I never saw my parents like, you know, yell at each other. Like if I I knew when my parents had an argument, cause it was like, it would kind of, something would, it'd be like, well, is what I think. And then they would kind of go to their room and discuss whatever the matter was. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it wasn't like, you know, screaming and fighting. And yeah, so I was definitely, my parents definitely had a really good marriage and, you know, I was definitely very fortunate in that sense of growing up with both parents and yeah and having parents who both you know made me feel loved in their own way Mm -hmm. and uh you know 
I, I just, in you know, I definitely was blessed in that sense. For sure, I would say that, you know, there's, it's like, there's definitely a lot of things that I've pulled away from that's positive that's, in, you know, influenced my relationship with my wife. But, you know, it's also, everybody's different and we each have different personalities. So that mm-hmm. plays a huge role. Yes. That's why I always, when I first got married, I remember a couple people saying, um, you know, oh, when this happens, just say this to your wife or something. And that's about the worst advice anybody could ever give you because that may work on their wife, but their wife is a much different person than yours. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that was definitely one of those things where, uh, you know, that was a fun, that was a fun, that when that, for, when that happened to me in that instance, that was pretty funny. <laughs> How long have you been married? Seven years. Seven years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you got married, what's typically viewed as pretty young. Yeah. I would say very young. Yeah. Is and Tannen I, younger than you? She is. So she was 18 at the time. Okay. And I would say, you know, looking back, it's like, you have no idea how young you are. You just have no idea. And yeah. And that's why I said like, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I've never thought about that. You just don't even you, now. Yeah. And I think it's like, and I mean, and it's not, you know, it's like you have all this energy uh-huh. And I think like, you know, right now in a way it's like, I'm in the prime of my life, but I still have a lot of that youthful energy yeah. and I'm learning, you know, there's so much, I'm realizing how much there is to learn, which is awesome because I would hate to feel like, okay, at next year I learned all the information there is. And I'm just, like, I love learning. Yep. So I'm excited to learn for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, getting married really young, it was just like, you know, I mean, we were we grew up basically a part of our lives together, you know? Yeah. And which was a blessing for sure in many ways. And it definitely like, it definitely, there was definitely ways that it was like our emotional maturity, you know, wasn't that good. Like our, our first year of marriage was harder than our, you know, that was the hardest year of marriage was our first, just because our emotional maturity was, um, you know, we just, we took things the wrong way from each other harder than we should have because, you know, so there would have been, if we would have been older, we would have benefited from the emotional maturity, but we also benefited in ways of like, you know, kind of just growing up a little bit together, Mm -hmm. you know, but did you know each other much before that? Did you guys know each other when you were younger? I didn't know. I'm, I didn't know really of her until like she was like 16 i think she just turned 16 yeah and uh one of my best friends growing up was really good friends with her and whenever it's actually kind of funny whenever oh i was 17 or something and he said you know i was just it was like he had a phone you know and it was Uh like you know that was when phones weren't really everywhere you know so it was like he's like oh you want to mess my phone so i'm looking through his pictures on his phone Uh (laughs) you know and I was like, oh, who's this? And it was a picture of my wife. And he's like, oh, that's a really uh, cool girl. You should marry her one day. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, I didn't really think anything, you know, just like, you know, I yeah, mean, she's yeah. pretty. But, you know, you don't, I didn't think, okay, we're going to get married one day. Yeah. And so anyway, this is just kind of a funny little story. But, you know, I definitely had a lot of trust in my friend, you know, and he, he had a lot of trust in her and like her family, which helped, I would say like, our relationship was really short and that I don't, it would not have been that short. I don't think if I would have trusted him and, you know, his knowledge of her family, you know, just as far as like who they are as a person and that kind of stuff. 
that makes sense. It helped, it sped up the process as far as getting to know somebody. Right. Yeah. So, like you, you, he already had a little bit of insight into just the character of her family and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Does she come from a bigger family? She does not. No. So she has two siblings. She's the youngest, uh, and she's got an older brother and an older sister. Has that posed, how different was that, you two learning each other's kind of style of existing in a family environment? It, well, like being in, in the oldest, it you know, I'm used to being one of the more, um, it's easier for me to be in charge, and she's used to people telling her what to do, so it's... And when we first got married, I had to make sure that like, I was like, okay, how are you feeling about this? Mm-hmm. And make sure that, because it was really easy for her to just go along with whatever. And mm-hmm. so I had to make a conscious effort to not just be like, you know, I just go blazing down a trail and expecting that she was okay with following uh-huh. that trail. Yeah. And, you know, and just, you know, you know, being one of the oldest, you raise, your siblings in some sense, you know, you help out with your siblings a lot. So there's a lot that like I knew about that, that she didn't know, which obviously now, you know, she's definitely not behind me at all <laughs> as far as, you know, young children. Yeah. <laughs> Cause your oldest is two, you said? Uh, three. Three? Yeah. And so, you have three kids. Three kids. Yeah. Okay. So we have Charlie, Zoe, and Elise. Charlie is three. He's like three and a half. And then Zoe turned two in December. And then Elise is, she was born at the end of August. So she's about ready to have her six month birthday. Wow. It's already been that man. It goes so quick. And it, I'm not even involved with any yeah. of this. Like I remember hearing about it when you guys yeah. were about to have it. Yeah. Her, Elise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And wow. it's like, everybody always says, you know, take, it goes so fast, you know, take your time, enjoy all. And it's like, I feel like I do that, but it doesn't, it still just goes by yeah. way yeah. too fast. Was that... Um, something you also from a younger age knew you wanted to have is like to be a father and to have children of your own. Yeah. I always, I would say like I was always growing up. I always gravitated towards like, I loved younger. I love playing, making little kids laugh, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was always like, whenever my mom would, you know, whenever we always had, you know, young, I always had young siblings and it was like, I was always one of their best buds because it was always like, you know, I just loved hanging out with little kids. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely very blessed in that sense of uh, just, you know, gravitating towards, you know, kids and wanting to play with them. And, um, you know, and I think that I've heard some people like with that are older siblings and like a big family, they feel like they kind of got wore out mm-hmm. because they felt like, you know, oh, I don't really want to have kids because I felt like I was raising kids as a. Yeah as a a child or whatever. Uh And I, even though I did a lot to help out with my siblings, I never have ever felt, you know, like that was the case. Yeah. Was there, um, did you experience any fears or worries prior to becoming a dad or while being a father around having kids? Cause I was there, there's been, like I said, from probably 17, I knew I wanted to be married but I've gone through different stages of fear associated with the idea of ever having kids. Like there was definitely a time when I thought, man, I do not want to have kids. And when I dug into that and examined it, I recognized pretty easily that it was all fear-based. I was terrified of the idea of having children. Yeah. Because up until probably a year ago, 
I would not have described myself as an emotionally healthy person. And I just recognized I had a lot of issues and some of those were from my parents. And I was terrified of the idea of failing children, of thinking about having a kid and thinking about him or her struggling in the ways that I have. That was just such a scary thought for me. And it made me think, man, I just, I'd just rather play it safe and not have kids. I'd be totally fine if I never had kids. Yeah. Like I remember um, I tried to, I started a trip that I was saying was going to be across the country on a bicycle. And I remember approaching that trip and having a friend who was like, Joel, you know, you're going to become sterile from that. Like you can't be on a bicycle that long. Um, yeah yeah i remember him telling me that and i was like yeah that's fine with me wow that's crazy (laughs) as a kid now i think about it like that thought is that thought scary to me the thought of not being able to have biological children is scary to me i would say there was definitely fear because like you mentioned you look at your own failings and you're like you don't want to let your kids down Mm -hmm. and you just you also there's it's you're scared of change. And I also think like in a lot of times in society, having young kids like are viewed more as a burden, which Mm -hmm. they definitely are a lot of work. Yeah. But I think like for me, while it has been a lot of work, it's like, it's been a very fun thing. And I think it's way more enjoyable. And I think a lot of it has to do with your making, having the right mindset. You know, like obviously you're going to sacrifice a lot. You know, I mean, my wife, me and my wife, aren't able to just go out and go on a date very often. You know, it's like we have to find a babysitter or, you know, drop our kids off somewhere and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, so there's definitely like, it's just compared to us not have, being married and having kids versus having kids or just, you know, even just being single. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And I think it's like, you don't realize how the responsibility is going to make you a better person. You don't, you, you can't really quite understand that until you're in the situation and it's forcing you to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like for me, I've like with, you know, like to you, I would be like, man, you know, I, you know, it sounds like to me, like you've experienced a lot in your life, but you can use that to positively impact your kid. Like you can have an open and honest dialogue about, Hey, and, and make them aware of these things. And like, think of all the good that you could do in somebody's life with that. Like, that's awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, and not, and it's like, and, and because I know that you want to do something like that, it's You're going to be a great dad because of that. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I think if, you know, if I would have heard more of that, I would have felt a lot less. I mean, there's going to be naturally you're going to feel the the fear of the unknown. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. don't know. And yeah. you're going to feel, you know, like how I, I didn't, there's no qualifications. Yeah. You know, I don't know <laughs> that I'm going to be a good dad. And you see there. And I always tell my, my wife this, like, there's always, I always see people, I always see, you know, it's like, well, this guy's a deadbeat dad or this guy, you know, abused their kids or this, you know, it's like, what, and what part in their brain made that go, that was okay to do? And how do I know that I'm different? You know, I'm like, what, how do I know that, like, you know, I'm different than this? And I think there's definitely been moments where it's like, you, you know, it's like, I know that I am different from that, but I also, 
just because it's like uh, you're, you know, you're in these situations where you go, you mean, I don't understand how somebody in this situation, you know, would feel that way about their kid, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, it's just one of those things like it's, it's scary because you just don't know it's, there's no, like you are going to be a responsible person and do all the stuff you're supposed to do. It's a, you know, and so I think, how does a person get there? How does a person get there? And how do I know if I'm moving in that direction? Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was probably really my biggest fear, you know, was just, it's just a huge responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think ultimately, you know, you do the best you can and, you know, you hope and pray that your kids realize that despite my shortcomings, that even, even these areas where I failed you, I, you know, that failure probably came from me. It came out of trying to do the right thing. And it just, I didn't know all that I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I fell down, you know, and that's what I hope I can tell my kids and my kids will see one day, you know, that's, you know, definitely a hope that I have, Mm -hmm. you know, and just being, you know, they're your, they're your friend, you know, they're your little buddy. I mean, it's like, obviously it's like my son's my son first and then he's my buddy. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like, you know, just like, and then another thing that's awesome about having kids is like, everybody always kind of laments growing up and you forget a lot about your childhood. A lot of the feelings that you got it all, when your kids experience those things, you remember, it makes you remember like, you know, those things, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like you're a kid again, you know, you're, wa- you're growing, <laughs> you're watching it happen through your kid. And That's that great. is one of the, probably the most fun things that I've experienced from being a dad. Yeah. Yeah. So we I want to go back to like childhood more cause we didn't dig much into that. You, okay. you said nine or 10 of you total. There was 10 of us total. Ten of us. Yeah. Five boys and you. five girls. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Pretty even. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do a lot of like team stuff of it's the boys versus the girls kind of well, thing? Well, <laughs> not really because it went girl. So it was my older sister, me, two girls. And then um, there's like a four or five year gap between the next sibling, which is a, a brother. And he's nine years younger than me. And then there was three boys born, two girls, and then another boy. And so the all the boys were pretty much younger than me. So there was definitely like, I can remember times of all three of my sisters who were, you know, older, like all, you know, fighting me uh-huh. <laughs> because I was the only boy. Yeah. So I was like, I'll, you know, uh, I always wanted a brother, you know, uh-huh. but, and you know, I got a few more, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, we definitely had like teams, but it was never really boys against girls because it would have just been me against pretty much yeah. the older girls. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you, as a kid, like having so many siblings? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was cool. It probably wasn't until I was older that you know, like we we were around a lot of people who had. I wouldn't say necessarily like you know we had we were around people who had bigger families than us and smaller families than us. So it wasn't like it wasn't like you know I really thought you know, you had to have 10 siblings or you needed, you know, but it, I definitely thought it was fun in the sense of like, there's always action, you know, there's always something there's going always on. always something going on. Yeah. You know, you can get mad at one of your siblings and go play with another one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's great. But yeah, definitely was enjoyable. I, I can't, I'm keeping an eye on it now, wondering like, 
Is everything if it's, the way it's supposed think, to be? Yeah. I think it's um I'm watching it too because it's just a little slow. So yeah. it, there's a delay between when that waveform shows up. See? Yeah, that makes sense. But it does um I think it's recording both. Yeah. It looks like it's picking up. Cause I'm yeah, it looks like it's picking up because I'm on the yeah. top one there. I don't know if I need to have the mic. Yeah, it's just really slow. No, I think okay. it's just really slow to pick up. What's going on? Uh-huh. And I don't know which one. Am I? Yeah, it's recording. We're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> good deal. <laughs> so are you wanting to have a also large family? Uh, I not. I'm not wanting to have 10 kids. I know <laughs> it's like with our last... You know, with our last one being born, I know we've kind of talked about, you know, do we want to be done having kids? Um, kind of the idea that, like, what, what I kind of want to do right now, and my wife's not on the same page as me as far as, you know, necessarily, but I'm like, I, I kind of want to have three kids and I want to adopt two at some point. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll be able to happen or not. And she's like, oh, I really want to have two boys and two girls, you know, and then if we want to adopt, we can think about that later on. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. And we, all of our kids are really close together, which we, we wanted to do that because we both enjoyed being playing with our siblings growing up. And so mm -hmm. we thought, you know, you're going to be more friends if you're, you know, closer in age. Cause there's yeah. a, with the age gap, it's just kind of like, you know, everybody, it's almost like many generations inside uh -huh. this generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. If that makes any sense. I'm sure yeah. you experienced some of that with. I mean, they were definitely the groups They tended to be mostly two groups there was yeah. the older three and then the younger three yeah. and, and then in particular me and aaron being the youngest would we were typically grouped together which was straining yeah <laughs> on our relationship for a long time really? most of my family is we, we have struggled a great deal with being emotional with each other we i i would never i would not say we were ever close growing up um we we are more so now. We're all adults, and so I think it's a little bit easier for us to be okay with each other. And then Aaron and I are definitely, I think, the closest of our siblings, just because we, we're close in age, and we're also very similar in our personalities. Um, like, very similar in, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of crossover there. And we're also now apart. I think me moving was absolutely one of the best things that i could have done for my relationship with my family yeah somehow well because i for a lot of different reasons but i had the opportunity to grow and become a much better man um and also just the timing of it i mean I'm, i left home when i was 22 yeah so from 22 sense. to 25 there's a lot going on um inside you and that has been very helpful for me it's helped me to have space to process a lot of things that I hadn't before. And then Aaron was the one who reached out and helped to repair our relationship. And, and um, we, we talk now more and have made more of an effort to get to know each other. Um, was, was that something you ever experienced as uh, maybe a difficulty is getting to know your siblings because i 
in our family, it felt like, and looking back, it looks like we all kind of assumed that we knew each other, but without making the real effort to get to know each other, like you would make effort to get to know any other friend. Was that something you experienced in, in your family life, or were you all just kind of more close anyway? I think I definitely, I mean, I would say we were close, but it was like, you don't, there's a, uh, there's a lot of development that happens kind of on your own, I think, like out of the house Mm -hmm. and being, definitely being out of the house. Like when I got older, it helped the relationship with like my, you know, it's like living with somebody unless you're, when you're younger, especially like there's a lot of emotional immaturity. And so there's going to be bickering and all that stuff. So being Mm -hmm. kind of away from that where it wasn't like. You saw it was more exciting to see somebody that you didn't see every single day. You know, right. he was maybe yeah. bugging you, and uh-huh. so it was like I definitely loved living at home, and it wasn't like oh I just couldn't wait to move out. It was nothing like that, but it definitely helped in the sense of like just being able to be more friends and not just siblings. So right, and I've definitely learned a lot more about my siblings as far as as I've gotten older because I think when they're younger it's like you know they're more doing what they're told and so whenever they get older and they're doing their own thing they're more like okay you know this is what i think this is what i want to do and so there's that aspect of them that you and so um it's not the first time that i've heard myself but it definitely, I mean, it always is a little different. Yeah. You know, it definitely sound different. Do you put out like cameras and things for when you hunt? Oh, or, or what I'll, do you I'll mean? have like a GoPro and a little, it's just a little, you know, uh, you know, camcorder and uh-huh. like a little camera arm. And, you know, I've brought those along with me whenever I've done some hunting. And, okay. And I've, you know, toyed with the idea of like, oh, it'd be fun to do a little YouTube thing. But yeah, I just, I don't <laughs> think that I'm at a point in my life where I can put that much energy into something like right. that and yeah. you know it not subtract from the rest of my life uh-huh. it would subtract more than it would add for sure yeah yeah but it definitely okay. does it's always a little different to hear yourself uh-huh yep yes. i think i'm getting used to it yeah i mean for me it's like i've i've listened now to myself speak for a number of hours yeah. so it's becoming pretty normal for me yeah um yeah so do you, are you an avid hunter or? Yeah, I would say yeah. that I am. I enjoy being outside. I enjoy, um, I enjoy getting, it's like the, one of the ways I think about it is like, um, you know, wild game is the healthiest meat that, you know, really is available. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of cool that somebody who, you know, is, you know, a poor man basically can have access to the same thing that, you know, somebody that, you know, has a lot of money because of right. being able to go out there. And uh-huh. I think too, part of it's like, you know, I just, I love being outside. I love yeah one of the best things about hunting, I would say, is just getting outside before the sun comes up and just watching the woods wake up. You know, it's like you get to see animals doing things that you didn't even know existed, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, it's like I've had a, a, a deer charge me before. I've seen two turkeys with their beaks interlocked fighting. And it's just like, 
I had I'd never I didn't even know that turkeys felt <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah. So Wow, that is cool. I've never hunted. Yeah. Do you bow hunt or I rifle? Do. Yeah. I enjoy bow hunting. It's just it's a little bit more of a challenge and I I don't know, it's just like it's something that you can you practice I practice a lot at and I enjoy just like it's like a discipline, I guess is a good way to put it. It's like this is something that I want to do and be good at and know that you know, I'm going to shoot where I'm aiming at because just out of respect for the wildlife that I'm hunting, mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, you know, I don't want to, um, cause this animal just unnecessary pain because I was irresponsible. Right. You know, and, and I think too, with hunting, a lot of times there's a lot of negative, um, connotation as far as hunting. And mm-hmm. I think that as a lot hunters are, huge for conservation efforts like all the money that everybody spends on you know tags and all that stuff goes for you know keeping you know reintroducing bears or whatever it is and and helping out with these things and Hmm. it also helps manage manage the herd and i also like you know as somebody who eats meat anyways i like knowing that um i like that it's like hey you know i was the one that like this animal it died extremely quickly it did not suffer it grew up you know in freedom uh-huh. it wasn't in a cage yeah and you know it wasn't you know it wasn't you know just one of these things where it was like hey, it was just grew up a barn lot you know and that's all it ever knew mm-hmm. so i like that aspect of it and i just think that it's like a, you know it just it's kind of a it just makes you part of nature really yeah. And I enjoy that. That's kind of convicting for me. <laughs> yeah, really? How yeah. so? Um, just because I've, I've been exposed to, like, some vegan culture or vegetarian culture, people who did not like the idea of killing animals, basically. Yes. And, like, I lived with a family in Melbourne, who were vegan and i mean as far as the dietary restriction goes i'm like i'm fine i didn't i don't remember feeling like i was missing out on anything yeah um but then thinking more just about the level of responsibility that i'm taking for what i'm consuming is very different um Here, obviously, chicken is consumed. A lot of chicken is consumed here. For sure. Uh, If you live in Springdale, like I do, chicken capital, there's chicken everywhere. The trucks drive past you loaded with 100,000 birds or whatever in these little cages that stink to high heaven. Um, And every time I see those, it does make me think like, I'm, I am, I do support that yeah. by the money I give. How, how much do I actually care about that? Yeah. Does, does it matter to me that much? Yeah. Evidently so far, it hasn't mattered enough for me to be like, I'm not going to buy Tyson yeah. chicken anymore. Um, but the, the idea of either giving up meat or doing what you're talking about and being, they're not being that middleman between the food you're eating and the actual animal. Like you don't, you know what happened to that animal. You know that it had a good life and 
you are um, you are functioning as a part of the food chain in like the cleanest way that you can. The whole idea of that is very attractive to me. Uh, I remember talking to this guy who was a window washer. Yeah. At the time, he was a window washer in Tasmania. And he had a lot of thoughts on a lot of things. And he seemed very well informed about a lot of stuff. And to have a certain uh, wisdom about him, for sure. And I remember the phrase he used. Was it this guy? It might not have even been this guy. Maybe it was the other guy. His name was Neil. And then yeah. there was another guy who was a bus driver who I interacted with a lot whose name was also Neil. Okay. So one of the Neils one told the Neils. me he used the phrase treading lightly upon the earth. And that stuck with me. I love that thought. I love the picture of that. And what what, what does that mean to you? Um, to me, it would just mean having enough and not taking more than you need. Um and being responsible in the way that you take things. So I don't think there's anything wrong with eating meat. I don't have any problem with it. But do I think that in the chain that we're a part of often as consumers, there are things happening that if we had personal responsibility with over, we wouldn't be okay with. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's the case. And so, I'm convicted by the thought that I could do better in that area, um, but mostly just choose to ignore it yeah. or to not think about it or to think, well, it'd be, it would be too inconvenient for me at this time. Um, well, and I also think like there, we live with, there's so many people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that there's just not enough, you know, if we were to decide, oh, all everybody's going to do for meat is just hunt, mm-hmm. we would wipe out. You know, to even be responsible with right. what is here, you know, there wouldn't be very much meat to go around. Yeah. So, like, that part's unfortunate. But I think, um, you know, doing what you can is also a good thing. And you're also, the nutrients that you get from something like that is so much greater. Like, when you, for instance, and this is, you know, off base a little bit, but it's like something that you, that's out in the wild is high in omega-6. Something that's raised on a lot of grain is going to be high in omega-3. Omega-3 um, is, uh, and you need both, a balance of both as far as like, you know, like when you have an injury or whatever, there's going to be a release of like, and I may be getting omega-6 and omega-3 mixed up, but one of them is going to cause like, you know, kind of your muscles to swell and get tight and your joints and all that stuff. And the other, you know, does the opposite of that. Okay. So when you're out of balance, um, and you're eating out of balance, like you're going to have, typically you're going to be having the omega that causes you more aches and pains, which comes from the grain and all that stuff. So being able to provide healthier meat to my kids, is like that's, you know, it's, it's awesome to me. It's like, oh, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I can provide the best there is mm-hmm. to them to help yeah. them in, you know, that aspect. Mm-hmm. So, and I think what you said there, doing the best you can, doing the I best think you can. that's important to it remember. Because, I'm not going to go out there and say everybody should start hunting <laughs> no. to get their food and yeah. or everybody should stop eating meat. Yeah. I'm not going to make any kind of blanket statement like yeah. that. I just think it's important for me personally to think about my life and the way I consume and know consider what, what could I do that would be better for me. Yeah. Um, 
or would align better with the things that are convicting to me. Yes. Um, not that I'm wanting to say that now the way I feel about it, everybody should. Yeah. Or the way I act, everybody should. Because, um, I mean, again, I, I live in Springdale and I work at a bank full time. Yes. I'm not going to be out hunting to get my food. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I could. Like, I could introduce that into my yeah. life and be like, okay, every Saturday morning at five or four or however we really have to get up, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get myself a deer. You're going to get and food for the next yeah. hour long. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. And it is a lot of work. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and I think like, you know, there's, but there's just, just being outside, you mm-hmm. know, for everybody is just always recommended for sure. Yeah. You know, that's just a huge thing that I take away is like, Hey, get outside, enjoy outside. And it looks different for everybody, but mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, get some of the nutrients just from the sun. Yes. Oh yes. Please, please yeah. get out and enjoy the sun. Yeah. And right now we're in the middle of it being very cold so it yes. makes it hard to be outside yeah right now there's not a lot of getting out and being in the sun but i'm more hinting at like the situation we've been in that is almost been encouraging people to stay indoors stay and essentially uh live in the most physically unhealthy kind of way that you can yes which seems horribly backwards it does um so without getting into all the specifics i'm just going to recommend everybody go out and enjoy the sunshine and exercise and do not stay indoors too much yeah i endorse that fully yeah (laughs) (laughs) um has that uh, i guess yeah you so you were raised in on you spent a lot of time outside yes yeah was that just a very do you think that's a natural instinct for humans to want to be outside I do. And you think it's, I, I agree. I, I think it is. And it's probably, if you don't enjoy that, it's probably something that's been trained out of you. And I think that's sad. I think it's like, it's, yeah, we find our entertainment not outside. So that, I think that's really the biggest pull. That's where the training, you know, it's like, what am I going to go do outside? You know, kick rocks. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I could go inside and, you know, play a video game. And my parents, you know, we're real big on not letting us, it's like, okay, you need to go outside and play. Mm-hmm. And, and it forced us to be more creative. You know, I mean, it definitely probably makes you a little bit of a quirky kid too, you know, yeah. just getting creative, which is uh-huh. great. But, uh, I think being outside is a natural thing. And I think when people aren't outside, I think it's, it's one of those things where they may not know that they're even missing that and they're not getting mm-hmm. some of those nutrients and some of those some of the benefits of the sun and just feeling the wind and, you know, experiencing those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you can enjoy something as simple as just sitting outside and watching nature, you could probably enjoy a, a, a lot of things. Yeah. You'll never be bored. You'll never be bored. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Like, I remember, it just came into my mind as you were saying that, I remember running around. We we were on close to four acres when I was growing up until I was about 13, Um, and I remember on summer nights running around outside with a jar catching, uh, fireflies. Yeah, that's awesome. All over, like, we had a lot of trees, and to me also, at that age, four acres was huge. Oh, yeah. Um, and just having the time of my life doing that, just running outside, catching bugs. Yeah. And I'm thinking about 
all the kids who grow up without the opportunity to do that or without the encouragement to do that kind of thing and how much that feels like missing out to me yeah like yeah. when most of your when a, a large part of your training just as a human being now takes place with a piece of glass and pixels moving on it this flat thing that you're interacting with in a way that really i mean is not practical in functioning in the real world yes you're not actually learning good motor skills you're not learning what it is like to touch and feel and interact with the real world around you which is really sad and that's an uh, i think a, a bigger discussion yes um it's really sad to me to and i don't know what to do about it as far as like telling people hey you could go out and like be outside yeah. and climb a tree and catch bugs like i don't know yeah. how to make that sound appealing to people necessarily <laughs> yeah and i think one of the phrases i always used whenever we were before we had a place where our kids could go outside is was like i mean i just want a place where our kids can go outside get dirty and get hurt like it's okay for them to do some dangerous things mm -hmm. not really dangerous but they can do some of these things and they can you know they can climb a tree scrape their knee yeah you can get some scrapes and bruises yeah and i just know like for me i enjoyed that so much growing up you know climbing trees you know whatever it was you know catching crawdads in a creek you know mm -hmm. i mean it was like or tempting to, you know, yeah. but, uh, it's just like, you know, that stuff, you know, on a tablet or whatever it is, is always going to be there. And the mo the time that you actually have to be able to go outside and explore nature as a kid is short lived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes by much quicker. You know, I can remember being a kid and always thinking, man, I can't wait to be done with high school. And then it was like, you know, you get done with high school and you think, you know, then you start working, you know, a 40 hour a week job or whatever it is. And it's like, I have less time than I did by a long shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to get outside and, and just, you know, have at it, whatever yeah. that thing was. Mm -hmm. So what was your, you, you got out, did you go to school after high school or did you just start working or what just, was that like for you? And I, I actually started working at a very young age from the time I was 13 basically I worked you know my dad had a landscaping business and I basically worked with him you know basically you know part of spring through summer through part of fall every year until I was 18 and I think maybe even 19 and right after I turned 19 I you know um started working for somebody else and started doing tree work actually and but anyway so I mean I, I pretty I was pretty busy as far as just growing up I really you know it was like once I was 13 it was pretty much okay time to try to help out you know with the family so mm -hmm. you know I did I was homeschooled so I did you know my school in the evening or I did a lot of school in the winter time when there wasn't work mm -hmm. you know but uh definitely a very busy time for me Sure. Do you have, um, I tend to interact with a lot of people who are homeschooled as well. I was homeschooled. Yes. JC was homeschooled. Yeah. You were, there's like, I found myself in a group here of a lot of people who yes. were homeschooled. Um, 
And I also did not go to school after high school. And, man, I think I'm in a great position right now. But what what are your thoughts on not going to a university? What's your experience been of basically just working, being like being educated, learning how to function in life, and then going into the workforce and yeah. living life? I think like if you're in a career that needs a degree for it, mm-hmm. it you need to get a degree for it. But I think if you're not wanting to do something that involves a degree then and that you're never going to use that degree that you know those four years maybe that you're in school you could have spent those four years maybe starting on a job making some money and kind of getting yourself at that you know going from the starter to the position maybe that you needed to be in that if you would have maybe had a degree that would have helped you know if you had a business degree or something and so I think the ways that I've benefited from it is just you know uh you know, kind of the freedom to not feel like, Hey, if, if I, you know, I love to work with my hands, I love to work outside. And there's several things you can do inside that space. And I think that not feeling like I had to go to school and allow me to kind of, because honestly, when I got out of high school, I didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't just go right into college and start accruing, you know, debt or whatever it was to with, and then if I didn't end up using it. So I think, you know, for me, you know, it was a blessing, but I think, you know, I also know tons of people that I grew up with that went to college and had great experiences and that was a, you know, and also negative experiences. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I think not being like, I would say that at that age, I was not a very strong moral person as far as like, I knew what I wanted to do, but I would say if I was in a position, I would not have, you know. I would not have probably always made the right decision. So I think I benefited in the sense of like, you know, just staying busy. And, you know, if, if later on I would have thought, cause I kind of thought for a while, like, Hey, I may want to do some wildlife biology and learn some of that stuff. And that may be something I do one day. I don't know, but that it's like, I, I would rather have that opportunity maybe to do, go back and do that than be like, oh, I went and this is what I thought I wanted to do and then not even use it later on in mm-hmm. life. But there's all, we're all in a, each situation we're in life teaches a different lesson. Yeah. For sure. So yeah. I know I would have benefited. I'm, I'm sure I would have gained things as well as I would have learned things as well. Yeah. So even having that knowledge now, do you what what would your advice be to people who are maybe in that same stage they're approaching a time when they might go to college or they might choose not to not with, without saying this is what everybody should do yeah what is what would your advice be to people in that position i would say and this is one thing i've thought about myself personally like i look back and i think you know i had more control over um like as far as knowing what I wanted to do, you know, I didn't really know and I didn't really do anything to try to figure it out. And, you know, I could have done a better job at maybe asking my parents like, Hey, you know, like I will, you know, look, I want to experience some of these different things, try this out. And just not, I didn't really think about that. And I, not that I think it would have changed my life drastically from where I'm at today, but I do think looking back it, it always, every situation I'm in now, I always think about, 
okay, what can I ask that's going to help me? Because there's information I don't know here, and how mm-hmm. can I glean that information? And the only way I'm going to glean that information is by asking and being put in situations that are going to that are going to open my eyes to what is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, if you're somebody who likes working with your hands, there's, you know, there's tons of great options as far as trade schools. You know, if you're somebody who loves, you know, things that require a degree at a university, you know, there's obviously tons of great options. So don't feel like you just have to go to school and then go do four years of college and then, you know, you're going to figure it out after that. You don't have to do that. You know, there's, if you work hard and, and you're an honest person, you know, there's so many opportunities out there for you. Mm -hmm. I think that, that right there is really important to remember. Work hard and be an honest person. Yeah. And being a good employee Mm -hmm. and, um, and don't let somebody tell you a job is bad. You know, if you're at a job, Mm -hmm. you let decide yourself if the job is good or bad. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I was in a situation when I was young where I worked for a guy and, and everything it got, went really, really well for a long time. And then a guy that I was working with w- wasn't on good terms with my boss. And so he started saying, we'll see how he did that. And, and I, I'm not going to say it's that guy's fault for making my job bad, but I listened to it and I let myself be, I, I chose to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, after, and then I quit the job at some point, you know, months after that. And I look back and thought, you know, that job wasn't bad. I just let myself believe, you know, I could have done a better job of communicating and there was a lot that I learned from it, Mm -hmm. but you know, being a good employee and, you know, let yourself be the one that decides what is, what you're okay with and what you're not. Don't let other people's influence decide that for you. Yeah. Yep. Do you gravitate toward uh, difficult conversations? I would say it probably depends on who it is. Like there are some things I do and then maybe things that I don't feel like I know enough about to where I would feel embarrassed probably with my lack of knowledge. Like I feel like I should know more in this. Like obviously you're going to know things more than I do in life in certain aspects and and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So because of, you know, I don't know, my competitive nature or not wanting to feel embarrassed or I don't like, you might think, Oh, he, he doesn't know about that. You know, uh-huh. um, there's some things maybe I wouldn't want to necessarily get too deep into because I wouldn't be confident in myself. But I would say just as far as like wanting to share, like with maybe my younger brothers, like, Hey, here's something I struggle with and just being candid about, um, Hey, you know, you know, you're going to hit puberty and you're going to have all these things that, you know, nobody really tells you about. And, 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 uh, you're going to have all these things that are tempting and desirable that later on in life you may go, man, I wish I hadn't, I wish somebody would have talked to me Mm -hmm. and just said, Hey, you know, you're going to experience these things. You're gonna, you know, it's normal, you know, and you have to think about, yeah, what do I want my life to look like one day and try to try to, plan your life you know try to follow that track to get there mm-hmm. find a path make a plan and find a path and you know so i would say with some people like i love to have that type of conversation but if it's something that i don't feel like i know a whole lot about i'm i want to learn and talk about it 
but there are definitely some things where I'm like, uh, <laughs> I need to know more about this than yeah. I do. What's a conversation maybe that you wish somebody would have had with you when you were younger? Oh, I would, it would definitely be just like the whole, um, the whole just, you know, going through puberty and all the, um, you know, just like, Hey, you're going to want to experience life. You're going to feel like, um, like if, you know, you're going to want to try some of these things, but you also have to realize like where some of these things are lead to and just, just like, Hey, it's not wrong to feel attracted to women. You know, all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, what is going mm-hmm. on? And we, we were going at the time to a very strict church and it was like, you know, it was, you know, I can remember there was like a, a message about, um, and they were talking and as a kid, I didn't understand that they were talking about a different level, but they were basically to me, the way I took it was like, if you like somebody, you give them part of your heart. And I think that's extremely wrong that like, just because I maybe was somewhat attracted to somebody for a little while. So I thought that was such a bad thing. And I think that's a healthy normal thing like you're gonna you kind of have to figure it out Uh until you until your vision comes into focus you're kind of just stumbling around knocking into things you know Mm -hmm. so i think just having somebody go hey you know you know for one you're not alone and two um you know all these all these you know things you're feeling you know it's it's just part of growing up you know I just thought I thought you know I went from you know a 12 year old boy to 13 year old boy and all of a sudden I'm like you know dude you know like all of a sudden it's like I care about wearing deodorant you know (laughs) I don't want to I don't want girls to think I stink yeah you know and you know I'm sure I don't know what your life was like in that aspect as far as just probably pretty similar probably pretty similar yeah yeah and so I think just you know seeing my brother's you know, and and some of their younger friends that they've hung out with that I've had an opportunity to talk to and encourage. It's just like, hey, how can I use my experience to just be honest and open with them? Mm -hmm. And I can remember one time I was at a Bible study for young men specifically, and it was a pretty small group of guys, and they were like, hey, what's something we all struggle with? And they were having me go first. And I was... (laughs) pretty honest about what I had been struggling with at the time. And, and I was the most honest person in the group. I always thought, Oh, they're probably going to think I'm just a terrible person. And I just think that like, and I've seen like, I've seen like my dad benefit from being around other men who were, they were like, Hey, you know, I struggle with, you know, being angry or something. And then it's like, my dad then's like, man, I struggle with that too. I need it. You know, it's like, I think just opening up if, the more people open up with their own personal struggles, it, it makes you feel like, oh, it's okay to have faults. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, so, you know, not knowing that it was okay to have some of those faults as a kid was definitely a hard time of my life. Yeah. Was that a particular area, if you want to get into that, that you struggled in more than you think you should have because people didn't talk to you about it? I think so for sure. Yeah. I think just like, well, for one, it was like feeling like, um, you know, it was such a wrong thing, you know? So it was like, it made it a bigger deal than it was just not talking to somebody. Um, 
it definitely was, it's definitely one of those things where I think it's made me go, you know, on the flip side, try to help as many young men as I can that grew mm-hmm. up similar to me to just be able to be like, Hey, you can have this conversation with me. And I'm not like, I've, I'm not in a perfect person. I'm not somebody who's, you know, done everything right. I'm not somebody who has thought all the right thoughts, you know, and it's okay. You know, and if you need somebody to talk to you about it, you know, I would love to talk to you about it mm-hmm. because it just, it's kind of like that, you know, it's like if I, in my mind, I always think, what would that perfect older brother, you know, quotation marks, older brother look like, uh-huh. you know? And so just trying to be, you know, it's like, I'm not that far ahead of a lot of people. So it's really easy for me to relate back to where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you didn't get like the sex talk? Oh, no. I no. would say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my version of the sex talks with my parent was, um, they called it the flower story and um it was like you know in you know and talking about an actual flower uh-huh there's you know the there's they name talk about the whole anatomy of flower and how it pollinates and all this stuff and i'm just like i mean i couldn't have been more lost to be honest yeah. i was like that makes zero sense you know and we grew up on a little bit of a farm so things did start coming together after a little while yeah but having animals that, you know, you know, we had kittens and puppies and, you know, all that and, you know, baby goats and stuff of that nature. So, I mean, but I definitely wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, here's, you know, here's kind of stuff that happens and here's some of the things you're going to feel like. I just thought, man, I'm just, I'm just a horrible person for feeling like mm. I want to have sex with a girl. Yeah. You know, and I just can't believe that, like, that's what I want to do, you know? Yep. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I remember, I think I was 17 and one of my friends were like, oh, dude, I struggled with the same thing. I was like, really? And then his brother was like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Wow. It's like, we all do this. Yeah. And so I think it was just like, you know, and it wasn't like my parents intended me to be in that situation, like it to be like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they also realized that, um, you know, that's the way it would, that it would be, you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of it, like as humans, we do a lot of reactionary, like something negatively affected us or we didn't like the way, you know, that hurt us or whatever. And so instead of maybe going, looking at a situation on how to act and going, what is the best way? Sometimes we just decide, well, we're not going to do it that way. Yeah. And so I think with them growing up in where they felt like, well, they didn't want us kids to experience what they experienced. And some of the negative things that came with that, they decided to, you know, it was like, you know, that was kind of, and that's the way I feel about it. You know, I've never really asked them about that specifically, but Mm -hmm. I definitely think that it's like, the way I feel about it's like you either are going to tell your kids about certain things or they're going to find out from their friends. Yep. There's no way about it. Uh Uh-huh. So, and, and I just think like I would rather be the one to at least break the ice on that and feel like my kids can talk about that with me. Yes. So it does more harm than good. To, it does only harm, I think, to not talk about it. Oh, for sure. Because it's like sex and sexuality and men and women and how they relate to each other is a part of life that everyone experiences. Exactly. And, and it's a natural and normal yeah. thing. And it happens early. Like yep. you start noticing women. If you're a guy, you start noticing women as a young teenager. Yes. 
And especially now with access to the internet, oh, yeah. if your kids don't learn about it from you, they will learn about it. Oh, yeah. They will learn... Through the internet. Through the internet. And they're not necessarily going to learn. They're probably not going to learn the things that they that need to learn. They should learn. Yeah. They're not going to learn. One, they're not going to learn scientific information so much, but they're also not going to learn healthy emotional yes. information. They're not going to learn uh, the beauty and the potential danger and all the things surrounding what it's like to have a relationship with another human being. And like the place for sex or anything around that they're not going to learn the healthy way yeah unless someone trusted yeah um and mature talks to them deliberately about it and i think i think of there's a bible verse that talks about a fruit that is stolen in secret is sweet and i think like what it means is like that there's like an adrenaline rush aspect that makes you know, like where if I was to tell my kid, hey, this is this is how this works this is how you're going to feel versus if they're if I never do that with them and kind of make it where that that isn't open to them. And mm-hmm. hey, you can't talk about this. It's going to be more of like, oh, I'm learning something. This is like, you know, there's something friends, more enticing gonna, about it. Yeah. Like there's in, you know, uh, when I was 14 and talking to my friends who were 14, I definitely wasn't learning about you know, healthy things, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like another 14 year old's knowledge on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like looking at that now, I'm like, I want to be the, like, I want to be the one who, you know, when my, you know, when my son gets older, I want him to have his first beer with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not somebody who's like, Oh, you need to drink all the time. But I definitely think like, Hey, I don't want it to be like, you know, you have to be 21. And it's like, cause his friends, when they get 17 or 18 are going to probably have access to it and offer it to him. And mm-hmm. then, then I feel like I'm setting him up to failure for failure to sneak around and mm-hmm. partake in whatever it is versus yeah. I can just kind of break the ice, be like, Hey, you know, like, uh, there's a way to do this. Cause I don't want, you know, I don't want my son who's young and going off with somebody to learn how to do something. And it's like, Hey, let's just go out and just get messed up. You know, like, Hey, you know, you need to learn the responsibilities that come with these things. And I think the same thing goes with sex. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a healthy way to have the conversation where it kind of cuts through some of that unhealthiness, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to experience all that stuff anyways, but having at least some sort of a footing to stand on, it's going to, it's going to help. Yeah. You know, but do you think not being told about things or being told you can't do this, so you shouldn't do this, um, creates in you some sort of impulsive desire to reach out and take that thing? Oh, Has that sure. been a normal experience for you? Well, I wouldn't say necessarily normal, but I would say like there was a time where I was frustrated with my parents. Just our relationship wasn't at a good point. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I was like, okay, well, I, I, I'm going to do the, out of out of spite, I'm going to do some of these things. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I think because of that, you know, like looking back, I know like, Hey, you know, that it didn't really, it obviously didn't do anything for the situation, but it was like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm one of those people who it's like, as soon as you tell me I can't do something, I want to do it, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, I would definitely say that's how I am. Okay. That's interesting though. I feel like that is my, one of my most natural reactions. Really? When somebody tells something? Yeah. I'm very much, 
um super rebellious i would i would say i'm super rebellious natured as far as um uh like if somebody tells me i have to do something a certain way uh-huh. i'd be like oh, well you kind of screwed your chance at me doing it that way now. yeah <laughs> that's like my natural response and so uh-huh. um why is that Man, I don't know. I see some of that in like my, my dad, the way he does things. Like he's like, you know what? We're gonna do this thing this way. And so I see that like as a, like in some ways, I think it's a good thing, as far as like you kind of in a way like when if everybody says, hey, we need to go this way, and maybe we don't, I, you know, I'm more likely to maybe go the other way. Mm-hmm. But then there's times where like I'm just like just out of stubbornness, you know, and and just going, I'm not going to do that. I don't want somebody to tell me what to do. So yeah. I'm going to do the opposite. You know, I think it's just, I think it's rooted in just that, just, you know, you're kind of like, Hey, I don't like being told what to do, you know? So yeah. because you bugged me and told me what to do, I'm going to do the opposite. Uh-huh. And if you don't try the thing that other people are saying doesn't work, how do you know for sure if it doesn't? Like, exactly. How do you find new ways of making things work or getting yeah. things done if I, you don't try the untried path. Yeah. And I think like people, you know, like you have to have that if you're going to be, if you're going to think outside of the box, like I think learning, you know, learning to channel that can be an awesome thing because it can go, Hey, you know, that's, that's where inventions are made. That's where, mm-hmm. you know, people do stuff differently and reinvent the wheel or whatever it is. You know, it's like, it's in that space, I think. You know, but just having, you know, I definitely know, but like, it's like somebody, you know, I mean, that's one thing, like me and my wife, even it's like, sometimes she'll say, Hey, you know, she'll ask me to do something. And for whatever reason, I just feel this feeling like, you know, I was going to do that, you know, but now that you're bugging me about, I don't (laughs) want to do it anymore, you know? Yeah. So, Uh but I don't know why I'm that way, but there's a little bit there that's like that for sure. Okay. Do you think it was more strong at a particular age Mm, i think uh it was more unbridled as far as when i was younger and didn't really understand that it was not like that's not how i wanted to be Mm -hmm. you know so i think it was i wouldn't say i'd say it was stronger in the sense it was unbridled but it's still the feeling is still there just as strong it's just i'm more aware of it Uh uh-huh you know and i am realizing like hey you know, that's not, in this situation, that's not a good thing. Yeah, so, uh-huh. for sure. I would say that. Uh, are there, I like to get into difficult things with people too. Go for it. Um, is there something in particular that people do that you find very hurtful? Mm. I would say... I can't just think of something right off the top of my head that's like one thing, but I know, um, you know, there's different things that have had, you know, like I would say people that are closer to me have definitely, you know, it's like, you know, if they feel, um, like if, if they, if somebody were to say something that I said something and they don't come to me and say, Hey, did you say this? And like, I feel that to me is very hurtful because it's like, I just as a general rule, and I don't always do it, but I always want to make sure, like, if I was talk to you about JC, I don't want to say anything to JC that I wouldn't say to your face directly and not in a confrontational way, but just like, hey, I would have no problem because mm-hmm. I don't want somebody saying something I said for me. I want it to come from me. So I would say with 
they feel like something is said about me or whatever and it isn't come, you know, isn't, you know, asked of how, you know, what, hey, what did you say and what were you meaning to do, you know, that is, that I feel like is a cause for, you know, some hurt. But I feel like, I feel like with me, with just, you know, being married, like that part of my life is not as relevant because it's kind of, you kind of get like, uh, me and my wife are like, and our kids are like our own little tribe, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you have like your outsiders. So it's like, you know, unless it was a close friend or something to say something or family, it's, it's like, okay, you know, maybe that per that person doesn't maybe have all the understanding about me that, you know, it's just like what I was talking about with your conversation with David, how I was, you know, I was so intrigued by how thoughtful and how, cause all I had been around David before was him just, you know, being funny and, and, uh, you know, you always very conversational, but it was just like, he's a very deep thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't been exposed to that side of him before. So, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's good to get perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself to have a pretty thick skin? I I would say I probably, I would say I do for people who aren't really close to me. Mm-hmm. If you're really close to me and say something, I would say I don't have a thick skin. I would say like if it was, you know, like my wife or my parents or one of my siblings or something, I would say I probably, I don't have a, a very thick skin, but I would say like if, um, you know, you're not like a best friend or something, I probably have a pretty thick skin. That makes sense. So we talked about this a little last night, and I didn't. I don't think I dug into it with him, with Devar. Um, what do you think, though, is the difference between being vulnerable and just being open? Like the people. So if the people you you're close to that you just mentioned, like it's easier for them to hurt you. So evidently, you you're more vulnerable. Yes. To them. Um, do you think you, do you consider yourself a pretty open person in general? And is there a difference there between being vulnerable and just being open with people generally? I think, well, there is a difference, I think, in the aspect of like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you may not be open with somebody because they, that information, like, May, that information may not be used in a good way. Like you, you don't want to be open to somebody. Like I wouldn't want to be open to somebody that I thought was going to use that information against me. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be, you know, and I guess it would be, you know, you know, you'd be open to hurt as well, you know, big time there as well. But it's like, so I think like being, it's easy to be open to somebody that you feel is safe somebody that you don't feel is safe and you're still open to that's when you would be you know vulnerable to them okay okay that's what i feel like anyways because it's like it's easy you know like if if i like what i was talking about like hey these are some of the things i struggled with when i was 13 and you're a 13 year old and i tell you about that and i'm like you know there's no judgment here you know, that's going to make it a lot, you know, and maybe it's the first time you've ever done it. And so it will make it more like that, but it's, it's going to be easier to be open in that situation. Right. I don't know if that necessarily answers the question or not. I think so. Like being 
vulnerable is kind of being open with somebody who is not necessarily safe. Yeah. Uh, or it's not necessarily safe for that particular information versus just you can be open with somebody without being vulnerable because you're not really giving them power over you with yes. what you're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I would say that in the gist is how I feel. Okay. It feels to me. Do you like make an effort to expand that circle of people that you're willing to be vulnerable with? I would say yes, but I would say it's a, a very, it's such, such a slow rate because I don't think like I want to share with people that I feel like it would benefit. And so I would say there's not, there's not always a ton of people that want or, you know, would want that information, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I think, you know, you have to kind of assess the situation and go, you know, it'd be like, you know, you know, I have my set of struggles with that I'm struggling with today. And, you know, if you feel like, hey, you've gone through something similar and you could speak to that and it matches up at this time, that would be a great time for you to share. But, um, but I would definitely say I, I want to do that. And I want to, especially with a lot of just men, young men, young males, where, cause I feel like our society as a whole is not encouraging a lot of healthy males. And so I think I have a huge desire, especially with having a lot of sisters who've had a lot of trouble with, you know, just, um, you know, men who aren't developed or wanting to take advantage of, you know, somebody who's of the weaker sex mm -hmm. and in the sense of physically. And I think just wanting to help develop men so that we can fight that kind of that curve that I feel like that we're, that is there mm -hmm. is a passion of mine, I would say. And, you know, just being like, Hey, you know, there's, you know, you can be different, you know, you can be, you can be a good thing. You can stand up, you know, you can protect people who need it. You can, you can influence other guys who need, you know, to be good, good men, you know, not just being a good man or, and being good at being a man, you know? So I would say just, being a man and that's something that I can speak on that's a space that I definitely like do you how do you feel like we're we are failing at encouraging and helping men to be good men and safe men I think like one of the big things that make a man is if he has responsibility and accountability in his life and most of our lifestyle in today's world is about, you know, getting rid of, you don't want tie, anything mm -hmm. tying you down. Yeah. And so I think it makes it where, and I just think like we have a lot of, in our, we have in our culture, a lot of like, it's a, a sign, a symbol of power to be with a bunch of different people or have a bunch of different people be attracted to you, be a, you know, be a symbol of sexiness or whatever it is. And it's fine to look, it's great to look great and be attractive, but um, I think just as far as, you know, raising guys who are going to be responsible dads one day, you know, responsible husbands, or are they going to, if they see that their buddy is, you know, cheating on his girl, are they going to call him out or are we going to laugh about it? You know what I'm saying? And I think, obviously, I think 
the change starts in us as an individual and then in our circle next. And I think, you know, for me, that's right now, that's my brothers, you know, that's, that's me, you know, that's, and just, you know, it's just like, I just know a lot of girls are like, man, we just can't find a good guy. You know, they mm-hmm. just want to, just want to sleep with me or they just, you know, they've already have all this drama or whatever it is. And I think, uh, in order to have guys who aren't either, you know, exerting their will, you know, it's like exerting their will over somebody, you know, it's like you have to be capable of, you can't be kind until you're capable of being mean in the sense of like, if all you, you know, you know, like they're, uh, to quote like Jordan B. Peterson, he's like a rabbit, you can't call a rabbit good because it's un, it's incapable of doing evil in the sense of like, if you're not capable of doing anything else. So I think being as a man who is typically not always, obviously you got the Ronda Rousey's of the world as a man, typically you are stronger and it's easier for you to force somebody to follow you than you follow a woman. And so, and because of that aspect, you need to make sure that you're a good man and that you are going to, you're going to guide somebody's life in a, in a good way. If that, you know, makes sense. Oh, absolutely. What is, um, what are some ways that in your life for you, you help to, um, you, try to become a better man well i would say one would be um you know getting down on like for my kids with me my kids like i always want my kids to know like hey i get down on their level and they feel each day like you know my dad loves me he cares about me um it's okay to it's okay to cry. It's okay to have these feelings. Like, I feel like sometimes, you know, people be like, oh, this person was, you know, just this strong man and he never cried. And, and sometimes, you know, you think, and it's like, as a child, you need to see, like, you know, I, I definitely saw my dad cry at times growing up a couple of times. It wasn't like my dad was not an emotional person in the sense of a crier. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was good to see like, Hey, you know, you, it's a, you need to show that you care about people mm-hmm. and I can't show you that I care about you if I don't let you see any of my emotions. And I think, you know, like, um, you know, I want to be strong. I want to be, um, so there's physical fitness that you can do. Then I want to be, I want to be strong mentally, you know, and I want to be I want to know about, um, hey, what's going on in the world so I can, you know, if, hey, like when 2020 started, you know, we didn't know if everything was about to get shut down. We bought some extra, you know, well before stuff was even getting close, we bought some extra food because I was just thinking, well, if stuff gets shut down, I want to make sure I can take care of my family. So there's the physical aspect of being a good provider and protector. And then there's a spiritual leader and an emotional leader. And as far as your family, and, and when I say leader, I don't mean um, first sergeant, 
you know, I mean somebody who's going to walk next to my wife and we're going to be a team, but I'm, she, she may lead me in, in aspects as far as, um, qualities or whatever it is. And then there's also things as a man that I'm able to lead, that I'm going to be able to lead my family in. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that I do my part as a man to, you know, show my daughter what it looks like to be, Hey, when you go to date somebody one day, they need to look like, what does a good man look like? She needs, I'm the only one that can show that to her. Um, well, I'm not really necessarily the only one, but at least the first I'm, one, I'm pl- I play the biggest line. role mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. Be the best way to put that. So I think that is probably one of my biggest motivators is just thinking, Hey, you know, you need to show your son what it looks like to be a good husband. You need to show your daughter what it looks like to be a good husband. And they need to be able to see us, me and my wife love each other. Um, and just how we interact, you know, like, Hey, um, you know, and, and, and as far as like the spiritual leader, that's something that like, I mean, all these aspects, it's easy for me to talk about. And, and I know all these things that I'm supposed to be doing, but I fall down a lot. So I wouldn't say, you know, to anybody that would hear this, I wouldn't say, you know, Oh, I'm doing all these things and you need to be doing these things. And I can't believe you're not. It's not like that. It's a, I'm on a journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, I want to help as many people as I can on the journey by sharing what I'm going through and not by looking back, but by looking to my left and to my right and going, okay, let's take a step forward. And cause we know this is the right direction and let's just take a small step and then another, and at least try to get, uh, trying to get my circle moving in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. This seems like something you, you have a passion for. I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could talk forever. How, how did that start? Was there something that spurred that on that made you realize this was something that mattered a lot to you? You know, I think always growing up, like I've always been just enamored in uh, just men who made a difference. And and I think like in order to make a difference, you have you can only make it's like sometimes we think to make a difference, we need stardom or some we need like a giant platform Mm -hmm. but really the difference just comes with just in our circle so i think Mm -hmm. what got me passionate about it was just for one wanting to be a good man and wanting to be not wanting to be a failure really because i would say i'm more motivated by fear of failing than wanting to be you know i don't it just i I don't want to fail my family like this Uh a terrible thought yeah so that's way more motivating than anything else. But I think, um, you know, and then just seeing, you know, my older sister, um, and not to share too much about her life, but, you know, she was married for a little while and was in an unhealthy relationship where, you know, her husband at the time, and they're no longer in a relationship or no longer married, but, you know, he didn't know a lot of these things. He wasn't shown and he didn't try to learn. And so I think you know, uh, there was a lot, I'm sure, I know there's a lot of regret there as far as both sides in that, in that matter. But I just think that like seeing that and the difference that I can make in my younger brothers and just, and by setting an example and by just being open to talk about my failures, um, you know, it's like, I feel like I've been put in a spot to where I have that opportunity and I want to take advantage of that. Yeah. So you've seen the, You've seen firsthand the damage that can come from 
um, not being a good man yeah. or from, from for, for people who are around people who are close to someone who yeah. isn't a good man. You've seen firsthand For sure. what it and can I do. And I feel like, you know, I had, I, as being homeschooled, I wasn't able to play football in Arkansas because they didn't have like the, I think it's called the Tintiba law, but it's like basically where you can be homeschooled and play football on oh. public school team. Tim Tebow. Yeah. I remember Tim him. Tebow. <laughs> but uh, in Arkansas, they have it now, but they didn't have it when I was growing up. So uh-huh. I went and played one year of football in Oklahoma, my last, my last year, basically. And it was at a place called Cooks and Hills that was like a troubled kid's home. And there was boys from Team Pact that came down to play, which is another which is like, uh, it's basically like for kids that are into drugs and theft and are basically, if they don't go to this rehab, they're going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. So uh, most of those guys I played with didn't have a dad and, or an absent dad. And I think there's just this huge space of dads where they think their contribution to the family is work. And I think it's better to have, it'd be better to have less money in a family where you maybe worked a little less and you could, you know, I think if you're working more to give your family, you know, more money, you're sacrificing aspects of your relationship just as far as time. Mm-hmm. So I think just coming from that and seeing, you know, in the statistics for kids that don't have dads that commit crime and, you know, end up on drug or commit suicide is just astronomically higher. And so I think as a whole, as our whole country, that's something that I see moving in the wrong direction by a long shot. It's just dads are not stepping up to the plate and it's not to be like, Oh, guys are terrible. Cause I don't think that, mm-hmm. but I think there you as an individual man, you have so much ability to positively influence your wife, your kids and realize that and take advantage of it yeah yeah i think it's about time somebody started talking about it yeah because there is like right now um a lot of talk of uh about empowering women and helping women to be strong and and believe in themselves and i love that i think that's so important because i i know people who i know women who have shared kind of uh, I guess what it's like to feel like you can't do anything. I know women yes. have kind of been in a different situation for a long time than men and kind of yeah. been made to feel like they can't make a difference and their voice doesn't matter and they're of less importance for whatever reason. Maybe for, And if you believe that you have less importance simply by virtue of how you were born, that's a horrible thing. For sure. Whether you're talking about race or socioeconomic position or gender, like if you're just born into a situation that you're told is inferior, that's got to suck. Yeah. And I... You're already... You're already... You're already... You're being set up for failure. Yeah. Yeah, You're running up a hill now. Yeah. So I I think it's awesome that women are are being empowered and being kind of helped along. And I think as a father, like having two daughters, mm-hmm. like, you know, I want my daughters to be able to physically per- defend themselves. And I want my son to also go, I'm going to protect my sisters and mm-hmm. any female I see that needs help. So I think 
as a man, you need to be, you're not just thinking about, Hey, how do we make better men? But how do we also, by making better men, we also protect and we all, and we also can empower women by making them strong and yeah. not making them feel put down because a good, somebody who's considered a good man isn't going to put down, you know, you know, a woman. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's things that, you know, I can't measure up to when it comes to, you know, women and there's, you know, and that's the way we're created. It's a beautiful thing. And I think that whenever I see that it's people have to act like, you know, one or the other, like, you know, like I, I, if my daughter wants to take self-defense classes, like I'm going to be right there with her, taking them with her because I want her to be able to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want her to be able to go, Hey, if I'm in a bad situation, I could call my dad and, or I can call my brother and he's going to be right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to take me as an individual to do, to show her that, that, Hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, yeah. if a guy lays his hand on you, that's not okay. You know, if a guy is gaslighting, you know, a narcissist, if he's emotionally abusing you, that's not okay. Yeah. Just because he can physically overpower you or scare you or whatever it is, it's not okay. And, you know, it, it has to, guys have to take responsibility in their circle. And when you, if you see somebody who's close to you doing something that, you know, is negatively affecting somebody, even if it's a guy or a girl, like there, there's your opportunity to make change. And Mm -hmm. it's not always received great. Yeah. But I think we've horribly neglected this other half of the conversation, which is what it means to be strong, good men and how much of an impact that actually makes, how much good it can do. Yes. Um, how much influence you have and that, man, it's, you shouldn't, no one should have to be afraid of making strong men because we should understand how much good comes from that. Yes. How much good comes from having men who are strong and capable and good and kind. And no boy should have to grow up thinking that being a man means something else. No. Means you're not good or you're not kind or you're not emotional or that you look at women as anything other than just an incredible and equal creation. Yes. Um, But we're not talking about that, I think. We're not, because it's almost like we're being told men are bad. Yeah. It's bad to be a man. Well, it's kind of like, well, the way I feel about it is that in order, like, we stopped, like, in or, when we started talking up about women, we stopped also trying to talk up about men that both both sexes need to be uplifted equally. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't I can't you can't really lift up us as a whole if I'm talking down about one and up mm-hmm. about another. Then we just create another lopsided effect. Yeah. And I think that's what to me it sounds like that's what you're saying mm-hmm. as far as um you know and and I also know that just reading off of statistics the influence keep you know a father being in the home who's a good dad plays in keeping their kids out of jail you know it's it's extremely high mm-hmm. you know for whatever reason and and you know i just like i think that it would be extremely hard for a dad to raise a daughter comparatively it just you know i think that it's even harder 
for a woman to, cause I know when I was younger, if I, and I was never like this, thankfully, but I know if I was ever a position where I thought, you know, my mom, it was just my mom and she was going to tell me something and I'm stronger than her. And I'm like, uh, whatever. And I didn't have a male in my life to go, all right, buddy, you know, you need to straighten up. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a bad thing. Uh-huh. And so I think seeing the lack of that is just, you know, it, it lights a fire for sure. Yeah. You I know. can tell. <laughs> yeah. It's so vitally important. It, it is. I think it's a pattern we see in a lot of areas of life of when we want to correct something, we tend to overcorrect. We tend to turn the steering wheel too far to the left if we've been going too much to the right. Yeah. Um, and so almost as a result of wanting to lift women up, it seems like we decided what we need to do is put men down. Yeah. And that's not true. Like, that doesn't actually help our situation. We need men and women. Men need women and women need men. Yes. And if you're trying to lift one up by just lowering the level of the other, you're hurting both sides. You're hurting the society as a whole. Yes. And I think, you know, when you talk about just, you know, putting down, it's like the the common phrase that I've heard is like toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And obviously there is masculine traits that are used bad, whether it's physically in you know, power over somebody Mm -hmm. or whatever that thing may be. And so I think it's important to recognize that, yes, there can be toxic masculine traits that there can be masculine traits that are used toxically. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, just because I am stronger physically than some women doesn't mean that that is a toxic trait necessarily. And I think, you know, using that for a good thing, just like a woman should use, you know, her, you know, obvious talents as a woman that they have for good. You have your talents as a man that you can use for good to positively influence our whole society Mm -hmm. and your children and their children and your siblings and their children, you know, Mm -hmm. and just because like, you know, my sister has made, you know, she's like, hey, if you would, she has a little girl who's nine and she's like, hey, you know, whenever you want her to spend the night at your place, like she needs somebody who she needs to be able to see what a good man looks like. And so she wants her to be at my parents' house or my, or stay with me so she can see that. And it's like, you know, right there already, I have a ability to influence what could really affect her for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. And I think I don't want to shirk away from that. You know, I want to, I want to rise to the occasion, you know? So I guess in a way, like sometimes I feel like pressure is good because it Mm -hmm. makes you go, I need to, I need to buckle down and go. (laughs) Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Oh no, absolutely. It's, and I think there's all all part every guy has that part in him where it's like you want to make a difference in some way and you want to feel like, all right, it's time to but it's my time to buckle up and do something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's here. You know, I think it's here in my life, I think it's here in your life and JC's life and you know, in our friends' life, and it's time to tell guys, hey, now is the time to stand up. Now is the time to you know, lift up women and lift up our brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I found something that you really like to talk about. Yes. <laughs> you did. 
that that's one of the things that I have like a running list of kind of questions I like to consider for this, and one of them is um, like what's something you don't get to talk about much that you want to talk about more. That would be is number that, one. On my list. Yeah, number one. <laughs> that's great. We need that. Yes. Okay. Um, another one of the, the questions I do like to go over, which. I'm realizing really puts people on the spot, okay. <laughs> which a lot of them, I guess, I, when I think about them, if I would be asked, I don't know what my answer would be, but um, what's something that for your sake, like for, for you, you wish people understood about you? Mm. It's a good question. I would definitely say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's multiple things I could think about. Um, I, I feel like maybe there's there maybe is multiple answers to that in my life because, like, I would say, like, as a kid, you know, I was real goofy. I, I still like to. I think it's great to goof around and joke. I think mean, mm-hmm. it's a great thing. You know, it's great to have fun. So I think sometimes people think that's all I am, and so I think sometimes. Um, you know, it's like, that's all they ever think. And I want them to realize like, Hey, and and I doesn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like, it doesn't bother me in the sense of, because I, in a way I almost feel sorry for some of those people because I'm like, and I guess I should feel sorry for myself because I do the same thing, but it's like, we, it, you, we can be too quick to judge somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think like, Hey, sometimes I may come across this way, but I also have more to, I have more that I, that I am, you know, mm-hmm. just because maybe we're hanging out in a friend's house and having fun and I'm goofing around. Yeah. I also have a side of me that loves to get serious and talk about whatever, you know, the conversation may go to. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, I think, have a tendency to turn people into caricatures. It's like, he's the goofy guy. He's the yeah. guy who's just poetic all the time, or he's the guy who's um a scientist and so he's this way we put labels on people and want to generalize them into that and make them easier to understand or something and we totally do miss out on yeah so much depth that everybody has we put people in like a single box Mm -hmm. when they may belong to you know endless number of boxes Uh uh-huh yeah i don't Um, feel that way but i would say i mean i i just Right off the top of my head, I can't think of just a whole lot um, that I wish people knew me as than what I feel like people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I guess one thing too I want people to know, sometimes I feel like some of the younger guys that I try to talk to, they can feel like by me trying to push them, or not push them, it's not a good word, but by me trying to share some of my experiences and how maybe they could do stuff better than I did, that they have to live up to this whatever that standard they now know about and mm-hmm. think I don't want people to think ever that I don't think it's oh it's okay I think it's okay to fail yeah and I think that I think failing is good I mm-hmm. think that if you're never failing then you're not even you're not even trying mm-hmm. so I think you know just because you know maybe I feel like hey this is what you need to do you know and you don't maybe do that like that's okay you know you're on a journey you know and yep. your, your journey's on a curvy road. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Good to remember. I like, I really, I'm 
every time I ask that question, I really enjoy, I enjoy hearing the answer and knowing that potentially a lot of other people get to hear the answer. Because it's another thing to add to my mind of things to consider when I'm interacting with people. Because, like, you're adding something to that conversation. Now, when I interact with people, that can be something else I remember to think. I'm, oh, I'm maybe only getting a small piece of kind of who they are. Mm -hmm. One facet of who this person is and how they interact or behave. And there's a lot more to them than that. Yeah. And I like that now, like, because you've given that answer, everybody who listens to this gets to also consider that when they go out and interact with people. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what does spirituality look like to you? We haven't got much into this subject on this episode. Yeah. The last, that's okay. Cause the last episode was like all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say for me, what it looks like is I think of for being a, a of for somebody who's of a Christian religion, um, I think that for one, it's like um, knowing what um, God wants you to do as far as, um, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor and those type of things. I feel like sometimes I see where people are like, they pray about everything, which is you're supposed to, as a Christian, you're supposed to do everything with prayer and supplication. But sometimes they ask God for answers on something that I feel like has already been answered as far as, you know, and the Bible has already answered some of these things. So I think for me, it's like knowing your Bible and to some, you know, to the best of your ability, because there's just in that statement, there's a lot of there's a ton of depth that you could dive into as far as what that is to know. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it looks like, you know, um, not being of the world, but being, you know, being of God and you're in the world. So it's not, it's not wrong to look like the world. I feel like sometimes that's a, that's a something that a lot of people are like, well, you have to dress completely different or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think being, you know, being of God, being the way that you um, go throughout your life as far as, you know, are you praying? Are you um, seeking God? Are you sitting down and just looking at what he has provided? And that's and that's one thing that I feel like is often overlooked is we look at um, what we don't have when maybe we have, you know, we have keys on our keychain that go to things and light switches that work. And I think Mm -hmm. just realizing how much we have been blessed and kind of staying in that space of thankfulness. Um, and you know, just seeking, seeking what, you know, Hey, maybe what he's trying to teach you. I think for me, probably one of, one of my, a prayer that I pray pretty constantly is, um, what is, if, if I'm going through something, what am, what am, what am I being taught? And please help me not to, um, just bowl over whatever this is to where, um, you know, I miss this point that, that God's trying to teach me in this little facet of life. Mm -hmm. 
so I think it just comes with being aware, being in the word and, and, uh, seeking God, you know, uh, that's what I feel like. That's what I believe it to mean. Um, you know, with probably, you know, with probably not the greatest prepared, un- you know, a little bit of an unprepared answer, but, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, it's definitely something that I feel like as I, um, mature as a Christian and as a person, I learn more about what that means. So I definitely wouldn't say that that's it mm-hmm. because I know there's more to learn. Yeah. That's so, good. There's always more to learn. There always is, thankfully. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. It'd be really boring to yes. get to the end and, and be, be like, like well, I'm done. Yeah. What Here, do I do now? Thankfully, life has a lot of books. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of experiences and yes. a lot of podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm trying to think if there's something else I want to specifically, something specific to ask before we kind of wind down. No, no, <laughs> no. We'll get. Uh, I like to. I end all episodes now with uh, a recommendation from you, okay. from the guest, and uh, then something something funny. So, what's the recommendation you have mm. for everybody listening? It can be anything. <laughs> there was a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me think about this one for a second. Um, I just think that understanding. And having understanding and knowledge and experience is some of the biggest things that you should seek out in life, just as far as a knowledge on the situation, maybe knowledge on a person, you know, how important experience, how knowledge is not necessarily experience from Mm -hmm. a young age and in valuing people who have experience speaking to you. Um, I think, you know, just be, you know, be open to learning and and being proven wrong and, and, and being willing to learn, just be willing to learn. You know, I think we sometimes, whether it's political beliefs, whether it's spiritual beliefs, we can have things that we've been taught or somebody's told us our whole life. And sometimes we've never really done the due diligence to learn ourselves and Mm -hmm. we can be very hard headed to listen to somebody who has a different opinion than us. And I think just be willing to learn and be willing to open up and talk to people about whatever that thing may be. Nice. That is good advice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was was a little nervous there. (laughs) Pressure's on. Like I had, man, this had better be a good recommendation. Everybody could hear this and go out. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's uh, do you have a funny story to share or oh, a joke or man. just something in general that makes you laugh? I like to end with. I would say with right now note. the thing that makes me probably laugh the most is my kids. You know, just the funny things that they say. Um, as far as jokes, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of dumb jokes that make me laugh. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say they're my favorite types of jokes, but I would say that like I heard one the other day, and it says, um, "Oh." It said, uh, you know, oh, I'm trying to think exactly the, the way, because you always have to word them right. Uh-huh. You know? And it's like being put on the spot. It's like, okay, my brain is going to yeah. 
misfire a little bit here. But uh, it was just like, you know, the the when there's mist, the grass may not always be wet, but it do. And I just thought that was kind of funny. I saw that <laughs> one yesterday. I was like, that's really dumb. So, and then uh, probably, yeah, there's another, one of my favorite ones that I think is funny, but also uh, a little bit interesting is um, why couldn't the toilet paper cross the street? I don't know. Because it got stuck in a crack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's also a little bit interesting, you said? Well, I'm just saying it's a little, it's, uh, it's, def- it's not as, uh, um, it definitely is a juvenile joke, I yeah. would say. <laughs> but the image in my mind is also really funny to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. What's something one of your kids has done recently that just oh. made you laugh a lot? Oh, my goodness. Because that's got to be a really interesting dynamic to live with. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think about uh, funny things. Um, uh, uh, this morning, just I was driving with my daughter Zoe, and I asked her, what does it mean to be big? And she lifted her high hand up as high as she can. And she said, this giant. <laughs> and it's just like the way that they communicate and say things is great. And then one of the, well, probably one of the funniest things was my three-year-old boy was on the toilet and was needing help <laughs> with some toilet paper. And he told me before I came into the bathroom, he said, you may want to wear a mask because I feel stinky in here. <laughs> so, That's good. There's definitely some funny things that, I mean, kids are, especially when it's your own kids. When it's your own yeah. kids, it's just, it just makes you laugh that much harder. Yeah. We were trained as kids that before we wiped ourselves, we would yell, I'm done. <laughs> so you could hear like kid across the house, like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, man.